I'm so thankful that you're here tonight. I, I hope you've been uh, blessed. And if you've been with us the last, well, really any part of our Christmas season here at New Beginnings, you know we've been taking a, a different look at the Christmas story. We've called it Christmas Unfiltered uh, is what we've been doing. And so if you haven't been with us and, and you're here because you're visiting with family, here's kind of what we've been doing. We've been kind of looking at the Christmas story through a different lens to come to the conclusion that the real first Christmas wasn't a lot like the nativity scene we have set up at home, which is cute and clean and smells like Christmas cookies, right? It wasn't really uh, like that at all. What we've discovered in the story was there was a lot of chaos and there was a lot of hardship. There was a lot of darkness and there was a lot of brokenness in that first Christmas. But what we've been able to, to see together is that God was working in the chaos. God was moving. He was sovereignly moving in the chaos. And he was bringing uh, light. He was breaking into the darkness to bring hope and to bring light. And in Luke chapter 2, we see a very real moment of light breaking through the darkness with the shepherds on the mountainside. If, if you brought your Bible and you want to turn there, you feel free to. We're going to be in Luke 2. If not, don't worry about it. The, the scriptures will be uh, on the screen. But in Luke chapter 2, we see this moment with the shepherds where light breaks through. Right Now, I think the shepherds are like a couple of the other characters we've looked at this Christmas season, meaning we've kind of romanticized these guys and we, we think of them as, as these uh, just lovable, charming, you know, sweet rascals that live on the mountainside and, and keep the sheep. But the reality is, in the time of Christ, shepherds were nothing like that. Nothing like that. They were outcast, many of them, which is why they were given a profession that forced them to live outside the community. And so they were relegated to life in isolation uh, people, if they thought of them, they really thought they were nobodies. Uh, many of them had, had a criminal background. They lived in poverty. They lived in exile and were really altogether unimportant. That's who they really were. And I think it's important that we know that because it's, it's to these broken, rejected, unloved, <laughs> messed up people that the first message of Christmas is given. It's to these broken shepherds, these outcasts, these who feel very disconnected and very alone and very unloved. It's to them that the message of Jesus comes before it comes to anybody else. Before it came to a priest, to a rabbi, to a preacher, to a king, it came to the, to the outcast. I don't know. I, I see something important in that, <laughs> which is you may feel like an outcast, but I want you to hear me. The gospel is for you. It's for you. It is for you. In Luke chapter 2, we see it, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds on the, out in the field. And they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Those are going to be the words we hang our hat on tonight. And it will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, 
and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now I want you for just a moment to put yourself on the mountainside with these shepherds. I just want you to, I want you to put aside, I want you to put aside anything else. I want you to think, all right, I'm on the mountainside with these guys. I'm up there. It's, um, it's cold. It's quiet. You know, we're, we're alone. It's probably boring. No one even thinks about us being up there with these stinking sheep. And, and that's where we are. Nothing ever happens up here. And then suddenly an angel appears. And it says that this angel was shining with the glory of God. Now, I don't know what that looked like. I don't, I, I've never experienced an angel to physically appear and to shine with the glory of God. But here's what I could tell you. These shepherds were no joke. These dudes had to at times fight off wild animals. They had to be very tough. They were out alone on a mountain, and no matter what the weather did, they were in it. Some of them were hardened criminals. And I can tell you, even guys like that, when they saw the angel shining the glory of God, even they got scared. And they were like, wait, this... Kids, have you ever been really scared? Kids in the room, just a minute. You ever been really scared, right? You saw something, and you're like, oop, that ain't supposed to be there, right? That's how I think... They were. Um, I remember a time when I was in high school, I got really scared. And you're like, high school? Isn't that too old to be scared? No. And so I was really scared, right? I started driving, and it was dark. It was at night. I was driving my car. And one of my friends, friends don't do this, one of my friends thought it would be hilarious to get behind my driver's seat and, and just tuck down there real nice and quiet, right? And so I got into my car at night. I'm driving. And, you know, we're all, uh, we're all different when we drive by ourselves, right? We, we're just different people. I think it's not we're different people. I think that's when the real us is, is out there, right? You got your head back. You're singing because nobody can hear the noise you're making. You're having a ball. You're loving every minute of it. And I'm sure I was doing something like that, listening to uh, some music on the radio that, that didn't give glory to God. And, um, but I was going... And so I'm riding down the road. It's dark. I have no idea there's someone in the car with me. None. Until my friend leans up. <laughs> and now at this point, he's right behind me, and I still don't know. And he gets his mouth as close to my ear as he can, and he goes, hey. And I go, ah! and I jump, and I swerve, and the car swerves, and I almost end up in a lake. That's not a joke. It was, woo, one of those things. And then I remember saying some things about him and his family that I can't say right now, but I was pretty frustrated, right? Because all of a sudden I was filled with great fear. There was a startling moment. And I feel like the shepherds are living. They, they think they've got life figured out. They're just walking on the road, nothing un, unusual. And boom, the glory of God shows up and they are terrified. And then it isn't just one. It says, then a multitude of the heavenly. Well, what is a multitude? It means there was more plenty of them. That's what it means. It was a lot of those rascals, right? It was a bunch of them, and they showed up all at once. And what did they say? What did the angel say? The angel said in verse 10, he said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Well, what is the good news? What is this good news that that brings great joy with it, right? We've all received good news at times, but the angel said, I'm bringing a good news to you that is gonna, that is gonna bring in its wake great joy for all the people. 
That word good news is an interesting word in the Greek. It's euangelizo. Um, don't be impressed. I had to practice that before I said it in front of you. Um, that's the Greek word, euangelizo. Um, and it means to announce glad tidings, and it's where we get our word evangelist. Right? It's where we get that word. And in the time of Christ, that word in the Greek world was assigned to someone who would run back to the city after a victory in battle to tell the city that the, the battle had been won and the king is about to return. They came with the, the good news. So there would be this runner, this herald, this evangelist, if you will, who would run back to the city to tell them the good news has come, the battle is won, and the king is returning. And here is the angel being the evangelist, if you will. He is declaring this good news. And what is the good news? The king has come. The king has come. So what makes the good news of the gospel so good? What makes it so good? I want to give you a few things to think about when we look at what the good news is and why it is so good. Here's the first thing. The good news is that God sent a Savior. That's the good news. God sent a Savior. God didn't send someone to make you better. He sent someone to make you new to rescue you, to, to save you. It says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior. One to rescue, one to save, one to find you where you are and to save you from that to the life God meant for you and created you to have. Do you know that that's exactly why Mary and Joseph were told to name him Jesus? Because Jesus means the Lord saves. The Lord is salvation. That's what his name means. So I want you to hear me for just a moment. The good news is not, it is not that God sent a 12-step program. Nothing wrong with those. That's just not the gospel. The good news is not that God sent a religious system that if you adhere perfectly to, your life would be okay. That is also not the gospel. The good news is that God sent a Savior. Amen. And I want you to hear me. We needed a Savior. We need a Savior. We need a rescuer. We need a deliverer. Why? Because we were created for relationship with God. Your created purpose, the very reason you exist in this world, drawing breath in this moment, is for relationship with God. It is why you exist. The Bible teaches us that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, which means all this is His. Right? It says that from Him and to Him and for Him are all things. That's us. We exist for the glory of God and for relationship with God. Here's the problem. Sin messed that up. Sin messed that up. Sin entered the world in the first garden, and from that moment... The Bible says, in the way that Adam sinned, all men are now born in sin. None of us, not a single person, is born naturally loving God or trusting God. Did you know that? Even those sweet little ones that are in the room with you right now, who've never talked back and never said an ugly word or been selfish or cross, not one time, can I tell you something? They are not born loving and trusting God. They are born loving and trusting themselves. So were you, so was I. 
And every single one of us has um, sought life on our own terms. We've sought meaning and purpose and love and, 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 and security on our own terms. And the result of that, the result of seeking to live life your way, how you want to do it. And listen, that's how, we, that's how we are, many of us. We want to do all this our way, on our terms, the way we want to do it. No one's going to tell us. No one's going to inform us. And at the end of that road of doing life my way, is the fruit of that is brokenness. That's the fruit. It can't flower into anything else but brokenness. It's impossible. Because the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man. There's the way that feels right, it seems right, but in the end, it's destruction. It's what it is. And my story is littered. It is covered with trying to find life on my own terms. And many of you identify with that as well. Just littered with, I've tried to figure this out on my own. And the more I would get to that place and find brokenness, the more I would think, well, I just need to do more good or feel more good or lean more into the things I want. And the harder I would go after the things that I hoped would give me life, the more broken I became. Why? Because I needed a Savior. I needed a Savior. And the good news is God sent a Savior. So let me ask you, have you received that good news? Have you received that? I don't mean do you know about it. I mean, has it become good news that is alive in you? Here's the second thing we see. Not only is the good news that God sent a Savior, this is awesome. The good news is for everyone. It's for everyone. This good news is for everyone. I love that the shepherds were the first to hear the gospel and the good news. And I, I can't imagine how deeply meaningful it was for them because these were nobodies. That's who they were. They were nobodies, ignored, rejected, and unloved. Can you imagine how just meaningful and moving and powerful it was for them, for the angel to say, I've got good news and great joy, and I want you to hear me, shepherds. It's for all the people. It's for everybody. It's not just for the super religious it's not just for the kings. It's not just for the priests and the rabbis. It's not just for the wealthy. It's not just for the ones who look like they got their lives together and you don't know why, but their life just seems charmed. It's not just for them. It's for all the people. And I know you're alone and you feel rejected, but this gospel, this good news is for you. So I want you to hear me no matter how broken your life is. No matter what you're chasing to find meaning. The good news is Jesus came for you and his life is for you. And that new life that he gives is for you. So what's the result of this good news? What is this good news producing in us? Well, look at verse 14. It says, and the angels, now the multitude appears and they begin to sing a song. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Two things the gospel produces. One, it produces glory to God. The gospel produces glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. Why does the gospel produce 
glory to God. Because no one can get credit but God when the gospel transforms a heart. Right? No one can get credit for that but God. We can't forgive our own sins. We can't restore our own lives. We can't heal our own brokenness. We try, I try, you try, and we fail. The gospel is the mystery of grace and mercy that Jesus came to do for us what we could not do. And it is so profound and rich and good and deeply transforming that it can only come from God, which means he alone can get the glory. The gospel, when it transforms a heart, it will always produce worship. Glory to God. So the good news produces glory to God, and the good news provides grace to mankind. It provides grace to mankind. It says, and on the earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. What is that? That peace comes from the grace of God. That peace is the fruit of your life being reconciled to God. Now think about all the things that we do in our life to try to feel a little bit of peace. Right? Think of all that you do in your life to try to feel some peace. A little more money. Kids doing a little better. Get the next job, a little better house, drive a better car, get included in that group of friends. All the things that we do to try to feel some peace. Can I tell you something? The shalom of the soul, that inner, eternal, transformative peace, that is the fruit of one thing, being reconciled to God. And we don't get it any other way. And some of you are in a season in your life right now where you would give anything to feel peace with God. Here's what that comes from. It comes from receiving the gift and trusting Jesus. Receiving the good news. Receiving Him as Savior. Realizing it is for me. I'm not so far gone that this gospel doesn't reach me and belong to me. It can. And it begins to produce glory to God and it provides grace to mankind. So I ask you this question again. Have you experienced the good news? Have you experienced the good news? I believe the gospel can be summed up in my three favorite holidays, Christmas, Good Friday, and Easter. Jesus came to become one of us. That's Christmas. Jesus died in place for us. That's Good Friday. Jesus resurrected to deliver us. That's Easter Sunday. That's the gospel. He came, he died, and he resurrected for you. Have you received that gift? If you had to honestly answer the question, do I have peace with God? What would the answer be? So how do you receive this gift? You go, okay, Matt, I, I hear you. And I know that I need to have peace with God. How do I do that? How do I receive the gift? Well, think of the most famous verse in all the Bible. What's the most famous verse? John 3, 16, right? That God so loved the world that he gave, he gifted his only son that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Well, what does it mean to believe? 
to believe means to trust him. To believe means to submit to him, to surrender to him. To believe means to rest your life fully in him. You guys have heard me say this before. I can take a chair and set it on this stage and I can tell you all day, I can talk for hours about how I believe that chair is structurally sound. It looks like it was made well. It's quality workmanship. I believe it will hold me up if I sit down in it. I believe in that chair. I can tell you all day how much I believe that chair can hold me. What is actually the demonstration that I have faith in that chair? If I sit in it. Right? If I stop talking when it, when it goes from being words that I say to faith that I demonstrate and transforms my posture. It transforms my life. Some of you know the right words about faith in Jesus, but you have never sat in the chair of faith and rested in Him. God loves you, and He loves you so much. He gifted Jesus to you. So that if you would believe, trust, rest, surrender, submit, give your life to Him, you would not perish, but you would have everlasting life. Have you received that gift? I'm going to ask everybody in the room to just bow with me for a moment. And maybe, maybe tonight you're, you're coming to a place where you're realizing, I, I don't know. I know I've said a lot of the right church stuff. But I don't know that I have ever rested my faith in Jesus Christ and been made new, been born again. And if tonight you, you are aware of that, you, you're coming to a place tonight where you go, I know I need him. I need the gift. I need life. I am tired of trying to do this on my own terms. What do I do? It's as simple right now with everybody. Nobody's looking. Just pray. Between you and God, it's just a prayer that says, Jesus, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. I am tired of trying to find peace in my, on my own terms. Would you save me? Would you save my life? I need the gift of salvation. I want to belong to you. If tonight you, you've prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you've prayed it for the first true time, and you've given your heart to Jesus, here's what I'd ask you to do. In the chair pocket in front of you, there's a card. And that card has a little QR code on it. And if you prayed and you made a decision for Christ tonight, we want to know, we want to connect with you because we want to walk with you. Being a Christian is hard, and we need each other. And if you made Jesus the Lord of your life, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You can just take that card, scan that code, and when you do, you'll be able to open up a link where you can tell us the decision you made for Jesus tonight. You're welcome to take that card home with you and, and do it when you get home, but we want to connect with you. As you're looking up, I, I just want to remind you that when we receive Jesus... We receive the light of life. We Isaiah, when he prophesied about Jesus, here's how he said it. He said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great 
what he said. John, when he talked about the coming of Jesus, he said, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus himself said, I'm the light of the world, and those who follow me and walk with me will never walk in darkness. Here we are. 2,000 years later, and the light of life is still shining. Here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still the people that without that light, we'd be walking in darkness. Aren't you thankful that in Christ, if you belong to him, aren't you thankful for the moment when you came out of darkness and you saw the great light? Father, thank you for the light of salvation, for the light of life, the light of hope, the light that broke through my darkness.